Welcome to Dragon Talk. Hey! This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm Greg Tito, and that's Shelly Mazzanoble. Yay! We have a wonderful show for you today talking about uh, game stores and large gatherings of people playing D&D at the same time. Like record-breaking amounts of people? Guinness World Record Breaking. Oh my gosh. So I think probably some of you listening heard about this story. An actual Guinness record was made. The largest gathering of D&D players, 1,227, I think, if we're going to get picky. And I think Guinness is picky. In the most uh, uh, predicted place where that would occur. <laughs> of course. In Provo, Utah. In a mall. Big mall. And we are <laughs> going to hear all about it from Andrew Ashby. Uh, he is the owner and operator of We Geek Together, a gaming tavern in that said mall, and uh, put on this event. And this is something that he'd been dreaming of for years. And I have to say, I've been dreaming of something similar for a long time as well. And it's amazing seeing it uh, brought to fruition in a, a place like Provo. You have been dreaming about this for a long time? Well, not necessarily this exact idea, but the idea of blending a lot of people playing D&D together in a warlike setting. I love that from a simulation kind of gamer standpoint, as well as uh, all of the theatrical moments that we did at our uh, D&D events of yore. Uh, you know, it seems like uh, Andrew and his amazing team created something Similar. It didn't have sets. It didn't have like that stuff, but it had costumes and characters and and professional actors and dungeon masters playing and running this amazing game. And we're going to hear all about it. And I can't wait to pick his brain. Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Also exciting in the world of Dungeons and Dragons is uh, a lot of new details around some of uh, the books and products that your team is working on, Shelly. I'm excited mm-hmm. about Big B Presents Glory <laughs> of the Giants. I think you have to say it like... Big B. That's like uh, the correct title. Big B. Big 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 B presents. That's definitely the announcer from the monster truck racing commercials 100%. of your right. Yes, and I do think that whenever I hear that title, I'm like that's the voice that I hear it in. Bone Crusher. <laughs> Giants bigger than before. <laughs> Life at the Harvard <laughs> Civic Center. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one night only or forever, depending on how long you like to run campaigns. Giant trucks running over <laughs> cars. Also, undead giants made of metal. So metal. <laughs> oh, good so stuff. lots of great stuff in that book it's a huge bestiary there's lots of monsters of the giant variety that you can play uh and non-stop lore about uh these creatures um really cool stuff i can't wait to 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 have folks open up these books beautiful books the covers look amazing uh mm-hmm. including that alt cover only available through game stores so i'm gonna ask a contentious question i'm sorry yes very similar to uh, the sigil sigil conversation. Is it bestiary or bestiary? That is a very good question. Yeah. I see it 
written as bestiary. So I say bestiary. You're not uh, alone. I've, I've also seen it, you know, and heard it pronounced as bestiary. I, so Wes Schneider was the first person I heard to say bestiary. And I thought, well, he, he just seems like a very like <laughs> polished gentleman that would, of course, say the bestiary. But I've, everyone else I've always heard is bestiary. But then I started hearing other people in the studio saying bestiary. I'm like, is Wes getting to people or is this how it's pronounced? I think it actually, they're both allowable pronunciation okay. similar to gif and jif and sigil and sigil i think they're just you know there's 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 sigil. different allowances there i don't know if there is one correct way sigil 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 yeah mm -hmm. see um so you know how mine? i have a th i have mine 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 i have a thing for badass powerful female villains, which is why mm -hmm. I love Joan Crawford. Um, <laughs> no wire was, hangers, and was obsessed no wire with, And I was obsessed with the movie Mommy Dearest. But <laughs> so you know who my new badass villain crush is? Yeah. A lady of pain. She is so terrifying because she doesn't She's, even speak. That's what I love about her. And she just looks... So cool. And just the thought of her just like not speaking, but just glaring sourpuss. I love it. Mm -hmm. How great is that cover uh, that we revealed by none other than Mr. Tyler Jacobson? Gorge. It's Gorge. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, love it. As well as all the artwork by Tony D. Terlizzi on the alt cover for um, the Planescape products looking really good i can't wait we're gonna get more info on those yeah. in the months to come for sure for sure very cool um there's also some great stuff happening in the school and library sector if you're uh, interested in that we have some amazing school curriculum that is available um and don't let's not look at it like curriculum like we don't want to do schoolwork it's almost summer but look at it like fun D, D activities that you can just have your kids do or you could do but if you are actually someone who works in the education space this is all standards-based curriculum it is the, the real deal it is inspired by dungeons and dragons it promotes collaboration and world building and storytelling and social emotional learning and all the things that we love about D, &D. i would encourage all of you to visit why am I classroom? And you can go to whyamiclassroom.com slash DD. Not DND, just DD, or just go to why am I classroom. You'll find it there as well. Um, we also have just recently launched a DD Beyond Educator license. So if you are That's a cool. school or library or a work in that education space and you do have a DD club and you would like to apply for uh, a D&D educator license, then you can, may do so. And you will have uh, access to tools like the character builder, as well as uh, the core rule books and some adventure content at no cost for you to use uh, for your club. Because we know that there's a lot of resources that are needed to get these clubs up and running. You tend to have a lot of different, uh, a lot of kids, a lot of campaigns going. So we want to make that as easy as possible for you. So you can go to dnd.wizards.com slash resources slash educators. I am sorry, it is not 
a, an easier link for you, but just go there. Or uh, if you forget, you can send me a message um, on Twitter and just be like, I forgot what that link was or I can't find it and I'll send it to you. So lots of good stuff there. I'm very excited about all of um, our school and library outreach. And hopefully we'll have more news to share about even more stuff. And just absolutely. thank you, teachers and educators and everyone in that space. We know how hard you work. So we just want to make things a little easier for you. I dig that. And I know we have uh, so many folks who have been listening to Dragon Talk for a long time, knowing about our our personal journey on trying to get more education materials out there. Uh, and so you've seen that all. And now this is some another step along the way as we do more and more to build up this uh, this program. It seems really cool. More yeah. people should be playing D&D &D, and this is how we make it happen. Yes. And it's good. Don't tell them that. But it's good for the kids. It's yeah. good for them. Right. It's like um, it's like uh, sneaking vegetables into mac and cheese. Yeah. They'll never notice that these noodles are made with cauliflower. Except, <laughs> yeah, they will. They You're will. like, this cheese is green. Oh, why is this cheese not <clears throat> melting? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's because it's made of protein. Because <laughs> it's quinoa. Sorry. <laughs> it's quinoa cheese. Quinoa cheese. <laughs> quinoa paste. Well. As far as someone who has gotten more people to playing D&D &D as possible yes. in one setting, I think we should uh, open up our lines of communication with Andrew Ashby right now. Do it. We geek together. <laughs> Let's welcome Andrew Ashby to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Hello. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Very excited to chat with you. You're a Thank uh, you. game tavern owner in Provo, Utah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. What was it like founding this this uh, tavern? Boy, yeah. So uh, it's a family-run business. It's me, my brother, and my mother. We're kind of the main owners, and we've uh, kind of grown a little bit. But we <laughs> we started as like a very small business doing like farmers markets and renaissance fairs. We we hand make leather armor. That's how we started. Oh. Um, yeah. And uh, we met a lot of cool people along the way. And when we saved up enough money, we wanted to open up a, a gaming tavern, a place for people to come and play and meet and uh, and play D&D. That, that was a big part of it. Oh, this is so cool. And I love that it's a gaming tavern. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Um, but also, so your brother and your mother. So did, is this like just you grew up with gaming being a big central part of your life? Was this just always going to be your calling no matter what? Yeah, I, I didn't stand a chance. My parents are both big <laughs> nerds. And so... Like my mom hand sewed uh, Lord of the Rings costumes when the first movie came out for all of for all, all us in Halloween. And so, yeah, we're a nerdy family. Oh, that's so cute. That's I love the that. best. Yeah. Yeah. And then now you're business owners together. Uh, and this tavern, yeah. it is, uh, you know, a place for playing Dungeons and Dragons. And you recently had so many people playing Dungeons and Dragons there that it oh, broke records so yeah tell us a little bit about that that sounds so exciting that that was crazy so yeah we set the world record for the biggest game of dnd ever played it was one single game and we had 1227 players all in that same game which was that was nuts that was a crazy day 
And this is an official like Guinness book of world records. This is not just like, oh, we're just going to, it's not just marketing. It's real. Yeah, no, you you could kind of see it right there. I left it in the frame there, but yeah, that was, that was an official, uh, official record. It's in the flash. And then that'll, will that be in the next uh, Guinness book of world records edition? Will it be printed in there? Yeah. Yeah. It will be printed. They might even showcase some of the video we took of the event. So we'll, we'll see. Um, so a lot of dungeon masters have a hard time even wrangling like five players. Um, but you've somehow managed to get 1,227 people to come play D and D. So I need Mm -hmm. to understand how this happened. Okay. Well, first off, I think, uh, Utah is a very nerdy place. So as we started to get word out, it all spread that word of mouth. We didn't really, cause we're a local game store. We don't have thousands of dollars to pour into advertisement. So first off, just a lot of nerds were like, this sounds cool. And then the way we actually ran the game is each table had their own dungeon master. So you're running five or six people. And then each dungeon master had generals that they had to report to, to get to the head dungeon master. And it was like a whole war scenario. If you, you've seen Lord of the Rings, uh, the battle of Helm's deep, you had our, on the walls and you had people defending the front gates and you had people running supplies so each table was a different area in the battlefield and the head dungeon master would then coordinate with the generals and say okay these tables that are defending the walls here they're new enemies that are attacking the walls and the archers didn't kill enough people in fact in the game there wasn't enough defense on the walls and the walls fell and the enemies were able to get inside the kingdom and that was that was purely dependent on how the tables played and reacted so the whole battlefield was changing as each table reported in so that was oh, that wow. was super fun that's cool and it's similar to uh how epics have been run mm. at uh, major game conventions uh and we had one of those similarly uh at the D live 2019 uh, the descent, and we thought that was the big one, uh, but I think that only had a few hundred folks, mm-hmm. uh, maybe two fifty. So blowing that out of the water there. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard some other games that could technically have had more people, but uh, like trying to get all of the coordination where where different tables were interacting with each other. That was a key part of it. And so we we had some really good helpers who were running information between tables, information, resources, uh, that kind of stuff. Runners, I mean, that almost makes it feel more like a fantasy battle then because that was how orders were passed down uh, between areas within a castle, right? right? So that's so cool. How many runners were there? Uh, I think we had, um, we had, I want to say 12 to 14 moderators who their job was to just get um, information out to the different tables. And then we had another uh, 12, uh, we called them captains, and their job was to uh, add in more role-playing experience. They would go to different tables and they would be the villain visiting at that table or they would be a hero visiting at that table like a legendary hero who can help at a time of need or something like that because Mm. a lot of people died in the war like (laughs) we told the dungeon masters like it's a war you you know it's supposed to be unforgiving and so yeah so a lot of a lot of characters were dying um so yeah that was that was (laughs) it was crazy 
How did wow. you run that? Like, if a character, if a player's character died, was the player out? Like, did they go to like some other area, or did you allow them to kind of take on the role of someone else at the table? So, um, boy, where? Uh, yeah, I love so getting into we the weeds to, on stuff. Sorry, this right? is. I'm like, no, I want to no, run something like this. The the story was really interesting. So we had. Um, Eldath, the goddess of peace. Um, and she, and the battle was against Vecna. He had raised a whole army of the undead and he had defeated oh. all the other kingdoms in the area. And so this was kind of uh, Hope's final stand. Everybody from every kingdom, refugees had all gathered in Kingdom Grand. And so that kind of explained like all the different weird characters we had. Like some people made like, you know, some cowboyish like characters because we kind of really <laughs> opened it up. Like, you know, use whatever you want to to make characters. So Kingdom Grand had become like this final stand against Vecna and his like endless horde. Um, so Eldath had, um, decided to come down into the mortal realm and she gave every uh, table uh, uh, a token that they could use to resurrect. But every mm -hmm. resurrection would take from her life force. And so um, uh, it was a cost. So every resurrection was, was harming her. And, and uh, in the end, uh, while Vecna was defeated, Eldath also tragically died because too much of her power had been used and Vecna was able to get in a, 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 a very brutal blow to her. So it was, it was, and we had the, we had an actress play Eldath and oh, she was yeah. on the stage and we had the head dungeon master playing Vecna and it was almost, they compared it like WWE wrestling, like they would actually do their monologues and you would actually see them interact with each other. And when, when Eldath got, uh, her, her eye taken out by Vecna, it was kind of brutal, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, like, everybody was booing. Um, and Eldath was harmed, but then she, she rose up for one final stand and everybody rallied and it, uh, yeah. They talk about like a, a very nerdy, but like very uh, community centered. Yes. Like so many people were cheering and uh, rallied behind it. It was it, it was a very unique thing. We felt like a whole army together, all uh, all working together. So that was that was amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, it feels like it combines you know, so many disciplines of theater and LARPing and, as you said, professional wrestling and, and like, you know, that kind of boo hissing, like that's, that's that kind of magic <laughs> yeah. that you can't really create outside of uh, a, a participatory game like this. Uh, so you said stage, I'm allowing, I'm curious, because it seems like it might have been too big to be in the gaming tavern, right? Where, where was this oh, yeah. held? Yeah, so we took over the entire mall for the day. It was literally tables from wall to wall on both floors. And we set up a stage in the middle and we had a bunch of speakers that we had wired throughout the mall. So when the head dungeon master uh, would do his uh, villain monologues or we had to get the news out, we would use the uh, the sound system to uh, to communicate with everyone. Oh my gosh. So just imagine this as a spectacle in the mall. Like people so are people stopping and watching this happen and if you're just <laughs> there like to buy a new pair of pants, are you hearing like these very strange announcements happening throughout oh the mall? Oh my goodness. Yeah, we probably were uh 
<laughs> there's probably, you know, some grandma, grandpa, you know, just like, let's go to the mall today. And then you have, because people came dressed up. There was people wearing full armor. You have all these people in cosplay playing. And it was just like, what is going on? And then anytime there was like uh, a big announcement or something, everybody would kind of stand up and gather around the stage. And so you'd had a thousand plus people like cheering and stuff like that. So it, it was a beautiful chaos. I am so fascinated just by the logistics of how you managed to pull this off and to have like just that's a lot of tables. That's a lot of chairs. That's a lot of marshalling of people, a lot of like permission <laughs> through the malt. But it just sounds like the com the community around you was very supportive of, of actually making this happen as well. Like I said, uh, Utah is a very nerdy place and so not know that. Uh, we did we did get a lot of love and a lot of, like it blew me away the amount of support when I saw the numbers coming in for the pre-registrations for the first two months we didn't have too many and so I was I was like well we'll be lucky if 300 people show up and then uh, the week before we actually had to turn off pre-registration because we were I didn't have enough tables and chairs and so and we had lines of people who wanted to play day of and we were trying to find them if anybody didn't show up to just give them an empty slots and people were playing on the floor and they'd taken over the cafeteria area. It was. That's yeah. so amazing. I think the record was like 500 before. So not only did you beat it, but you, I mean, you kind of crushed yeah. it. <laughs> set, a, set a pretty high bar yeah. there for sure. How many yeah. dungeon masters were there with that many people? We had over 200 dungeon masters. I think. Uh, How do you find 200 over 200? That's amazing. Right? Right. Like, Oh my no. God. Did you have to train people up? Was there like a, a, it, a series of, of kind of like, you know, how do, how do you, how do you run something like this? Like classes? We sent out a video. We sent out a, a video kind of telling about, Hey, here's the tone. Here's the structure. Here's um, some general rules. We sent out packets to the dungeon masters. We got them out a week before. Hey, here's, here's the, what you're going to be running. Um, the packets, would have all of the different branching outcomes because it all depended on how they played. If, you know, Vecna would break through the walls, if Eldath might die, if Vecna might conquer everyone. It had four different endings. And so we had to have that all out and, and written out for the, uh, the people. And I, I was very fortunate because I worked with um, uh, Johnny. He, he was my main writer and he, he wrote spectacular packets for the Dungeon Masters. Um, cool. Very clear. It was uh, it had a lot of questions that a lot of people asked, so it was really easy for DMs to pick up. And then Dax, the, the head Dungeon Master running the whole thing, he and his captains also were just he had any questions. They were putting out any weird fires or any any things that people were like, well, what, what is this? You know, how do we communicate? Um, and same thing, yeah. Our, our runners and everything, that made it possible. If we didn't have the runners, uh, <laughs> yeah, there was no way we could have done it. Uh, incredible. This is like, it just blows my mind. Um, now, I know that most people in their home games cannot affect this type of scale. But I also know that, yeah. that We Geek Together does some training for dungeon masters and classes and things like that, which I think is incredible. But it, did you notice anything from here that like a, a home dungeon master could incorporate into their game? Like, was there any just 
you could scale this down and this could happen at your tables and it would be incredible. Yeah, actually, um, uh, Johnny's packets are pretty amazing because they they had kind of contingency plans. Like if, uh, if, if you need help, you can run different things here. Um, I would say like, if you're trying to have do a war scenario where you want different parts of the battlefield to feel like they're impacting you and you're impacting them. Uh, the way we kind of wrote it is we gave each table objectives and they had visible rewards, like protect the catapults. And mm. then the catapults would take out, other enemies and so your next encounter would be a bit easier or if the catapults got destroyed then you had a uh, harder more enemies to be fighting because they weren't able to to mow through the troops and stuff and so have if you're going to do a war scenario have little tiny objectives throughout and have each of those objectives physically represented in the battlefield in a different way that's a great idea now, you mentioned a little bit on the story here that this was, you know, Vecna had defeated all the previous kingdoms and getting here. Was that part of an ongoing story somewhere or how how did that relate or was it just something that was the setup for for this large event? Yeah, so we run a game, we run games in a tavern. Um what what I do is I write a new adventure every week and the idea is they're kind of one shots um in this 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 area, this kingdom grand. Um but they are loosely connected like you'll run into the same NPCs. And so if you just drop in once a month, you'll have a fun adventure. And the idea is you can just walk in. I have a dungeon master in every night. You pay $10 and you get to go through a two-hour adventure. It's great for new players or people who don't have a regular group or who just have a free Friday. Um, and then uh, you play the adventure. But if you play more, you know, if you jump in twice a month or even weekly, you start to see the story unfolding and you actually get to shape the, uh, the world. And so Eldath, who visits the mortal realm, she was actually summoned by the players in the store uh, a few weeks before. Mm. So they were the ones who got to bring Eldath into the realm. And that was kind of the final key piece to help, uh, to help win the war. Sweet. So it is part of like, on, like the, I love that idea of there being episodic one shots that somehow create the idea of a living, breathing world around it. Mm. I mean, I, I, so this has been a dream of yours for a long time. It says, you know, eight years you've been thinking about running something like this. How, how long of, yeah, right. Like, tell us about that journey. Yeah. So I, it's a s silly idea, right? You know, one of those shower thoughts where you're just like, man, it would be so cool to play a game of D&D. &D. That was a war. And every table was part of the war. You know, you watch like Lord of the Rings. It's like, that would be so cool. Um, and yeah, I, I was walking down the street and i told my wife and like my good friend at the time that'll be so cool um and then you know it's just in the back of your mind and then i start this business with my family and uh and cool and business is doing well and we open up our own game store and then the mall says hey if you guys ever want to do anything with the mall um you know just let us know we can kind of talk about something and um you know you can use part of the mall if you want to like set up a tent or, or do an event uh and then i was like oh i had this idea and i pitched it to them and they're like this is really crazy we've never done anything like this mm, well but we'll see you know, if you got enough people who are interested in it and uh, 
you know, we're, we're a brand new business. So it's like, you know, can we trust these strangers to like actually do something? Um, so yeah, we started getting the word out. I put out a TikTok, and that went, you know, got almost a hundred thousand views, which was huge for our tiny business and people started hearing about it. And so it came to a point where it's like, Oh yeah, this, this train wreck it's happening. Like we really got to, uh, put this together. And so, uh, before we knew it, we had a thousand people here. So, but Amazing. yeah, it, it wasn't like really ever planned. It was like until we got into the mall, uh, we, you know, it was just a fun idea. So it, just to be clear, the, uh, we geek together, the game tavern is in, is connected to a mall. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're in the Provo mall. And that's the mall that uh, we okay. hosted the event as well. That makes so. a lot more sense, right? Because then you're just, you know, you already have a relationship there as a tenant. I, I guess I was trying to think of like, wow, how did you, like, can you book malls for this type of <laughs> activation? <laughs> usually not. No. Yeah. Um, and usually if, if you want, you know, you, you got to get a convention center, but that's going to cost you quite yeah. a bit of money. Totally. And insurance and all this stuff. So being in the mall has been such a blessing. Yeah. And then people could go to the tavern after and, uh, uh, you know, you probably got yeah. a bit of a bump in business as did the <laughs> mall itself by having a thousand, fifteen hundred people there, uh, you know, including all the support staff. For sure. Yeah. I was going to ask if yeah. you saw like a, an increase in like maybe people attending some of your new to D&D &D events or just, you know, coming out of this event, either people who learned about it or people who participated in it that hadn't played D&D before. Yeah, it's been such a a, a humbling experience just cuz like it has it's definitely helped the business. Um and there are people who come in now and uh they will be like, "Oh, wait a minute. Are you the guys who <laughs> had the world record?" Yes. Like I saw that in the news. Like we had somebody from Pennsylvania just visiting their family and they walked in here and they're like, "Oh, I heard about this place." Oh, so and cool. That's crazy. For, for a local, you know, mom and pop store for, for people around the country who've, who've now heard about it. So yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So it's like a, it's like a tourist destination now. Like we are going to go to Provo, Utah to see the, <laughs> the store where the Guinness oh, record was broken. Right? That's neat. That's neat. Um, and so, yeah, you said this is a, a relatively new business. Uh, how <laughs> has it gone? You said the business is good as far as gaming goes, but what do you think yeah. is your, your secret to making that happen? Because, you know, uh, starting up a small business is not always easy for people. I know that because of the, uh, water deep dragon heist, uh, adventure where it's really hard to start up a new business there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, um, I, I love local game stores. I've been going since I was a child. Um, but the, the problem local game stores face is you can buy a lot of the products online now. You want to buy a board game. You want to buy anything. Uh, you can get it on, on Amazon. And so the what we kind of did, because we met a lot of people at Renaissance Fairs, because we made our leather armor. We, we found these people who make D&D-scented um, &D candles. Like the candles smell like a dungeon oh, yeah. or a tavern. Like very interesting smells. Um, you know, people who make dice. Um, and we met all these local artisans and, and 
uh, my favorite thing is we have locally made mead, non-alcoholic, and we carry all of that in the store. So when you visit the store, it's stuff you can't find on the internet. And so, yeah. and it's a lot more, you know, it's got a lot more heart to a lot of the stuff. And so when you come in, you're like, wow, you know, I feel like I'm in a Renaissance fair or a convention where I yeah. can't find this stuff. And so that's, that's what's really made it, uh, interesting and profitable because we have a unique product line you can't get anywhere else. And I, I would say that's part of this success. Absolutely. Yeah. It feels like just a wholly immersive experience, like just walking into the store from I, for you, you listening, don't know this because you're just listening, but we're recording this on zoom and we can see that the background of the store um, or, or the store in your background, I mean, and it's, really beautiful like it looks like a, a tavern like that you would belly up to as your D&D character um, <laughs> right. very nice and bright high ceilings and I love all that um, so it does feel like when you walk in there you do feel like you're not just walking into a brightly lit mass market store it's right it's well, we experience. really tried to yeah the, the experience is so important we want you when you walk in here you kind of forget you're in a mall you're like whoa yeah you know, I'm in a tavern and I, you can sit down with your friends and grab a bottle of mead and some food and, and yeah. It's so, so funny because when I went to malls, which I did a lot in the 90s, uh, yeah. you know, that movie Mall Rats was basically about my life. Um, there was a game <laughs> store that opened up. I was super excited about it. It's where I first saw Magic uh, the Gathering being sold. I saw the little mm. uh, dice that were being sold. And it was, but the funny thing is, it was a, it was a room no bigger than where I am right now. Uh, that was the entire game store. The whole store. And the whole store. It was just, it was like a, the <laughs> oh, smallest man. little footprint in the mall that they could get, and it did not do super well. I think they closed within like a few years, uh, and it was uh, very different, right? And so I love that now. That was just a place of commerce. Now game stores have leaned into the experience you're talking about, not just in the yeah. atmosphere, but it's a place to play games. It's not just a place to yeah. purchase games. And that being a location for people to get food, to get drink, to uh, have a, a place that's conducive for playing games together is what I think of now when I think of game stores. Yeah, I, I could talk for hours about the theory of game store. But yeah, it comes down to that community. You know, do people like to be in there? Do is it a fun place? Is it a safe space? Um, that's you oh, know, yeah. that's super important to the community. A place that you can meet people. Yeah. There's there's uh, somebody who came in and they're like, I just moved in and I don't I don't know anyone, and they're regular now and they have like two different tables that they play with, different groups that they play D and D with, and it's just because they came in and we're looking for a pickup game and people were like, yeah, come and play with us. And now they have groups of friends and that you can meet people of similar interests in a place like that. Super important, especially nowadays with the plague and all that stuff. It, we got really disconnected from everyone. So that's, yeah. it's really important to have a place to meet. Yeah. And games are really can do that. Even if you, if you don't know anyone or if you have any, awkwardness or anxiety about being in social situations having that game there really diffuses that because it's this is a we don't have to like sit and stare and make eye contact with each other and try to come up <laughs> with small talk because we have the game that's kind of keeping us grounded and centered and 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 right. you know, building those connections within so 
You are. You are. That is a great um, idea of the things that game stores can actually can do and foster. I, I love that philosophy behind mm. it. Me too. Me Thank too. You. And now I'm inspired. I'm, and it's not that dissimilar from adventurers getting together in a tavern, right? They yes. don't necessarily know right. each other, but they all come together to get that job, to get that story, to, to you know, pull on those plot threads. And it's happening in your store. Uh, we geek together in two ways. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of magical. So it I really would... Is. I would love to talk a little bit about some of the events that you have in the stores. I think that this is, okay. there's some very interesting ones. I was checking out your calendar. Um, but one, okay, so let's start with D&D New Players Night. Like what what would unfold if I walked into the store on that night? You never play D&D. You walk in, but you've, you've seen some things and you're like, this sounds interesting. So you walk in and we have our staff are trained to help you make characters. All my staff know how to help you make a character sheet. And we have our dungeon master in and our, our dungeon master will help as well. And then uh, they'll run you through uh, a two hour uh, beginner adventure. And I've interviewed and tested all my dungeon masters to make sure they're they're very good at working with new players people who don't know the mechanics and to be very inclusive and so they they will show you how to roll and how to play and how to <laughs> role play and uh <laughs> it, it's it's a place that yeah you, you know you can be kind of silly and you're learning and that's way okay because other people are learning and so it's it's nice to sit down with other new players and try out this weird game you started to hear about that. and you provide everything they need to for their first yeah yeah we we have shelves of miniatures we have shelves of books all free to use in the store we have custom made tables that have tvs built into them so what? my dms can use digital maps or we have the, the terrain that they're also using the whole goal was to to lower the bar of entry to dnd like of course all you need for dnd really is just a pen and paper in your imagination, but there's a lot of other things that um, people see that can maybe get in the way. It's like, well, I need books and miniatures might help and stuff like that. So we provide all that for free. While you're just in the store, you can grab whatever you need. We've got the dungeon master. They know how to play. So you literally just come on in and sit down and you can start playing. Mm, that's really awesome. Love that. Uh, what about D and date night? <laughs> That's been super fun. You, you and your partner, you and your friend come in, uh, and you guys, uh, get two free drinks and two sets of dice. You know, we all like our dice. Yes. And so you get, you get two drinks and two sets of dice and you get to go on an adventure, uh, together. And the, the ventures oh. are kind of more themed towards working together, um, in pairs and stuff like that. So. You oh get to kind of synergize with each other. Oh, see, that's it, different than I thought it was. I thought it was like a like a using D and D as a uh, like a speed a, a dating, meet, like a speed dating, <laughs> right? Like so, uh, that's on the list. We're uh, gonna have we're gonna have uh, like thirty minute adventures, and you and you rotate out of the tables, and it's more to just meet people. It's like a mixer. So then, if you had fun with a certain player at the end. Then you can give them your contact information and you're like, yeah, you're you're a fun rogue to play with and you're a fun wizard to play Looking with. Looking for a rogue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Steal so my you can, heart. You can just, you know, find new players in the area. 
Okay. Wow. That's and can you get fun. everyone's permission so you can film that and make it a reality show so Shelly can watch it? <laughs> I will help produce that for you. We, we, should, we should look at doing uh, a, a dating, a Dean dating show. Um, I am like actually that. sensing another potential Guinness uh, record here of like the most successfully set up cup or like the biggest D&D wedding or you know <laughs> we're just we're just gonna marry off a bunch of couples all at oh once my goodness. that all met in the store yeah I like that. that that's awesome this is so cool okay so now on the D and date nights are you is it just like you and your partner and a DM or are you paired up with other pairs you'll be paired up with another pair okay yeah yeah very cool so then it becomes a, a double date night, right? Like it becomes yeah. like, oh, maybe yeah, this will be can, a group. You don't bring we... your other couple. Oh, yeah. see. All right. There's a lot of people who like, you know, I I, I play D&D. My wife doesn't, but maybe I would like to get her into playing D&D. So that's yes. a good kind of giveaway. That's very cool. And then what do you do with the DM classes? Because I might want to attend. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh i'm usually the teacher for that we also have other dms come in like uh dax the guy who was the head dm is going to be doing our next one but I, i've been a dm for five years and of course i don't know everything I, I definitely don't say i'm a master but they're more of like workshops where it's like dms can come together and we'll focus on a topic we'll all talk together we'll all bounce ideas off of each other so we had like how, how do you deal with player engagement how do you get players to role play then we all sat down and we talked about what was working at our tables and what was what was the struggles we had and it's a kind of a cool place to just if you ever want to learn how to be or you are even a really good dm but you're struggling with something a good place to bounce ideas off with other dms and that, that's a free class we want to provide that you know grow the community so you know what that reminds me of shelly uh the therapy um, the dungeon master therapy session yes! that the <laughs> yeah. marketing group did y yes yeah gotta unearth those it came from yeah. an unfortunate era i believe uh but other than that they were really good yeah that was funny <laughs> good stuff uh, I love that it's a free class, too, because sometimes Dungeon Masters just need a place to air Bend. their grievances. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> it is like D&D DM therapy. Right. Yeah. yeah. We do need some help sometimes. Yeah. I understand. I get it. Um, well, you kind of touched on this before um, about what about game stores in general and just the philosophy behind what We Geek Together does, but... I mean, obviously you're doing something very, very right over there, but like what, what else do you think would be great to see in game stores or what could, you know, other gaming communities learn from what you do? That's a, a good question. I think uh, one problem we run into game stores is you, you will find people who are really enthusiastic about their uh, game, their hobby, but it's almost toxic enthusiasm where um, they might be super competitive. You play Magic the Gathering, you've got people with really, really strong decks or or any other game, even D&D, people who, um, you know, want to hog the spotlight because, uh, you know, different reasons and stuff like that. So one thing we have is we have a chalkboard posted on our wall. It's called our Tavern Rules. And uh, they're, they're very clear-cut rules. And uh, we, uh, and we make sure anytime you sit down and play D&D, &D, 
hey, you need to read these rules. Make sure you agree, you know, games are PG-13. My fun can't be at the expense of other people. Um, you know, this is a safe and welcome space and we leave politics outside of the tavern. Um, and, uh, you know, and you, you need to keep an eye on that if you ever have anybody who uh, says, hey, this person was kind of saying something I'd ever had anybody that we've had to kick out. But just want to make sure that we're, we're keeping this a fun place for everyone. And so just making those rules and fostering that safe place because there's definitely a lot of game stores where you might not feel comfortable or safe in because it can feel like maybe a boys only club or maybe only try hard club or really sweaty club and uh, you really <laughs> you really want a game store to be a hub where anyone can feel welcome yeah that's been the shift i think over the last you know 20 years uh around gaming spaces, right? Where I remember even in New York City, when I first moved there, one of the only game stores I knew about was called the Complete Strategist. It was on 34th Street. And it was the small little um, uh, storefront. And then the, the basement was where they played games. It's actually where I played the first uh, game of fourth edition when it launched um, okay. was down there. And it was sweaty and gross and not really that awesome of a, of a location. But it was here we are in Manhattan, you know, this premier location in the world. Uh, and that was the only example that they had of, of gaming stores and gaming in public. And then things in Seattle started opening. I think it was like Mox's Boarding House and, and, and the one in Ballard started to show like this like different attitude around game stores. Um, and I was just wanted to ask you, like, did you did you track that as well? Were you seeing some of the things that were happening in other cities and did you get inspired by those uh or oh, was it yeah. just purely about the rent fair and like you know using your your business uh to, to transfer to that yeah hey um i actually i worked nine years in the, in the fast food industry and so mm. i had done a lot of uh research on well not research but i've learned a lot about the customer experience and how to make people feel welcome um and so uh that was uh that's I carried that over to here um, to really try. And because, like I said, I've been going to local game stores since I was a kid. And you're right. I've definitely seen local game stores where it just it it feels uncomfortable to be in. Um, and then I've, I've been into places where it's like, this is nerd heaven. You know, I could be <laughs> here all day. And so that was definitely a, a huge goal of ours to make to make it be a place where it's like I, I could be here all day and and relax and uh it feels welcoming it's also important to have nice bathrooms just putting that yes. no there, let right? me clean tell bathrooms you bathrooms let huge. me we clean our bathrooms three times a day because i've been to the local game stores where i'm like i'm gonna die in this bathroom <laughs> <laughs> no it's joke. Like so yeah we, that opening scene like train we, spotting. Uh, it's totally train spotting i think it's the same thing yeah, yeah. you're a certain age there shelly <laughs> I, yeah, it, it's literally on our operations it's like clean the bathroom here clean the bathroom here clean the bathroom mm. here we gotta have the cleanest that's literally my goal cleanest game store bathrooms in utah if, if I could do that, I, th I think we're, New we've tagline. got a competitive edge. <laughs> put, put that on your gravestone. Yeah. <laughs> like I had the cleanest bathrooms <laughs> in the game store in Utah. I mean, there was like this world record thing too, but whatever. People <laughs> yeah. remember us for our bathrooms. Seriously, though. <laughs> well, we you. laugh. It is. We laugh, but it's so true. Oh, it's, no, it's, it's true. It's it very is. true. Yeah. 
Um, so the leather armor thing I wanted to circle back to because I love that kind of craftsmanship for something that doesn't, you know, doesn't have a, uh, a, a practical use anymore. No one's making armor <laughs> for, for, um, you know, for protecting themselves going down the street. But that was, that was your genesis here of like having a small business, uh, going to those conventions. Where did that come from? Yeah. So I, I got a 3d printer. And I was like, I want to make D&D accessories with my 3D printer. And my brother was like, I want to make leather armor. And so he made leather armor and I made uh, Dungeons and Dragons 3D printed accessories. And we both worked together and we sold, yeah, farmer's markets, Renaissance fairs. Um, and uh, when we went to Renaissance fairs, we would see what other people were selling and that would inspire us. And we'd be like, oh man, we should try to make our leather armor this way. And I started to sew cloaks. I learned how to sew and those, those have sold pretty well. And so... Yeah, it's that's kind of how it all started. Uh, we got into Evermore. If you've ever seen Evermore, it's like a fantasy. It's like a D and D theme park, pretty much. Uh, not related, but they've definitely like Lord of the Rings. Um, and so we got in there as permanent vendors, and we 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 learned a lot about our community and our products and how to sell things and what do people want. And so that's. That's how we started. Now, like I, you, people listening, but I literally wear like, you know, uh, Viking shirts, and I will wear a cape to work in colder weather. And I have like a leather adventure backpack. Um, I I love the aesthetic of kind of dressing in medieval clothing, and yeah, it gives me weird looks. But uh, when you're in the tavern, it looks like I'm a tavern owner, so yes. it's like my uniform. <laughs> It fits right in. I like that. I have I have a friend in Seattle who does that similar. He's uh, a beer distributor, uh, like a liquor distributor, and he calls himself the beer barian um, because he's basically, as you said, in in leather armor, leather cuffs, seriously, you know, pewter jewelry uh, That's all the so time. Cool. And he looks so badass. I know, and he's just like, you "Hey, buy my beer." Or I will <laughs> rage. <laughs> yeah, you know, but he's also the like, nicest guy in the world too. It's so funny. It's like this weird, you know, uh, uh, comparison of like, all right, yeah, you look completely badass, and you, if you had a sword and were swinging it, you wouldn't look out of place in a in a fantasy film like like D and D or something like that. But he's also just super kind. Hmm. This is you know what I also like about the accessories and the the armor and all that is I do like to have a real world visual of what my character would look like. And like, I'm usually a magic user, but I still would love to see a staff or I would love to see the robes that I would wear. Or like, I would like to see the bracers on a ranger. Like I want to see it. I want to just see like, Oh, that's what I would wear. I, I would put it on and walk around with it. Just to feel what it's like to be my character or like what, what do our, our bag backpacks look like how do we what does a bedroll look like like how do i get all of those all of that stuff in my bag what is it i, I want to carry 400 pounds worth of stuff in my backpack <laughs> like my character does like what is my pouch where my spell components look like like where is right. all that? oh yeah 
we we carry so much stuff like that. We have changing rooms so people can be like, all right, I'm an elf <gasps> ranger. And so they can go and grab their cloak and their leaf bracers and go dress up and, and try it on. It's we even do LARPs in the tavern. So like I like I said, I yeah, you, you and I were kindred spirits. I it's I, always so interesting. It is. Like I would love to just see it. And then I would love to put on my my robes and have pull some coinage out of my spell pouch component because that's I probably carry my money in there too I guess <laughs> right <laughs> and then belly up to that tavern bar and have like a bartender also in gear or in costume yeah serve me up a cup of mead or a pint of mead how is it mm. even served what is it in yeah a mug? We, we've got bottles we've got bottles and mugs so you can buy it by the bottle yeah and then yeah we have tankards horns drinking horns we sell a lot of that stuff i might i might be a larper like th- why am i just realizing this if- <laughs> right because it's, I, that, it's, that blend of, it's the blend of theater and and, and D. yes yeah LARP. there's something so about fun. having a, a a prop too even if you know for people listening out there even if you're not necessarily someone who wants to go fully into i'm an, i need to you know my underwear must be medieval uh <laughs> <laughs> ouch you don't have to go that far, but no. I just like having a physical prop sometimes that really just, you know, brings you into uh, the character. And for me, one of my characters was a, was a dual wielding um, bard sorcerer who had two wands. And so whenever I was casting spells <gasps> oh, like, in the game, I would just be like, do some like kind of, you know, weird wand motion. Uh, and it somehow just made that fantasy make sense to me. Oh, that's Cut. actually really cool. I, uh, for my spell casters, I always make a spell book and I write my spells in the spell book. So then I have my, my book of spells handy and also just a fun thing to have. So, yeah. Okay. I love that. Yeah. That reminded me of in third edition where so much of the late game in third edition was about trying to find the right combination of spells and actions in order to defeat the the big bads. And so we would have players literally going through their books, uh, not the <laughs> custom-made spell books that you're talking about, but the actual D&D books trying to be like, oh, what do we do in this situation? We, I know this thing. I'm trying to look it up. And we had like everybody in like, oh, that actually feels a little bit like how a wizard would actually be acting right now. <laughs> yeah, they would right. Be, they would be scanning their, you know, all of their notes and trying to find the right their combination of... Their scrolls and everything. Yeah. yeah. I love it when it becomes, you know... Uh, Something the same. Um, so talk a little bit about the the TVs in the tables um, because I am a, a digital player as well mm. and I'm always fascinated by using that. Uh, and especially in a situation like this, that feels a little bit... Um, you know, so many of the people I, I know who use that, like they have their own custom setups and that's how they're able to do it. But being able to plug into one that's already there has its own challenges, right? So do you feel like you're doing... IT work all the time or or has have you perfected the, the, that system? The tables are really easy to use. You just plug HDMI or you can use uh, your smartphone and just cast to them. Um, and then we we don't do any of like the VTT, the virtual tabletop. We just use a picture of the map and then we use that, at least for our weekly games. Um, mm-hmm. But we do have regulars who like, they'll bring in a desktop computer and and then plug it in and then they'll run their VTT and then, you know, they've got speakers and stuff. So then they can have the full immersive experience, but custom TV tables are a pretty penny. It costs a lot. And so Mm. that was one really cool thing we had was like, you don't have to spend $5,000 on a TV table. 
if you want to just use it for your weekly game, just come on in. You can even save a table. Just call in and reserve the table. There you go. You now have TV table, miniature terrain. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, they're, they're pretty easy to use if you're just, just using a picture of a map. And that's honestly a huge upgrade over dry erase, grid paper, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Does, is there like a piece of plexiglass or something on top of the TV mm. to prevent scratching or? or yeah. Yeah. Work? We, we have a, a glass uh, top over it. And so mm. uh, that, that uh, keeps them safe. And then we'll, we'll swap out the glass maybe once every year as the glass will probably get little nicks and scratches on it. But yeah, so, you know, it's not too, not too hard. Well, and then if you're doing with glass too, you could also be, uh, using wet erase markers on it mm. as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yep. Interesting. So you could do like a fireball, you know, or whatever and be like, trace it out and be like, all right, everybody. All right. These circle. things are on fire now. And yeah, <laughs> just get the red thing. Easy. Super fun. Mm-hmm. They, they are made by Darkwing Industries. Uh, again, we met them at a Renaissance fair. Oh. And uh, they, they set up right next to us. And we're like, we're opening up a tavern. We need those tables. And so they, they were super cool. Darkwing Love Industries. Love that Love community support. Right. Local, all local stuff. All right. So you created this amazing uh, uh, space as well as winning the, go- uh, the gold record, the world record uh, from the Guinness <laughs> for, uh, for the <laughs> largest the game. Uh, you know, it seems like that event was a success. Uh, are you planning another one uh, or is it just like, meh, I did it? No. Oh boy. I've already been uh, brainstorming the next one. I think I figured out the BBEG because for the big war, you got to have a cool villain. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I think we could pull in twice the amount of people because there's, I'm like, no joke. There's been so many people who have afterwards have said, I didn't know about this event. And if I had known, I would have come. And so I think I think we can pull three, maybe five thousand people, um, which would be a challenge because we packed them all already. So we're yeah. going to do something new for this next year's one. We're going to have the battle take place over two days, and they're going to be two separate battles. Um, and so you can come on a Friday and do the Friday battle, or you can come on a Saturday and do a Saturday battle. Um, and they're, they're key battles, but they're going to be, you know, think of like star Wars, like, you know, you have this shield of Endor and you have the death star run and like both of those battles are crucial to taking down the empire. Um, and one, one day will be that. And one day will be the other battle. And so we're going to, we're going to double the event next year. Wow. And you're, it sounds like you're almost making next year. A, like a convention. Yeah. At, at at that point, it almost is because uh, you know you've got some unique D and D vendors. Uh, I I dream about the day that I can I can work more with wizards and uh, other uh, other representatives in the, the the nerd community and and have them out uh, at this event and like just imagine being able to even you guys like being able to meet you guys and be able to sit down and maybe you guys are walking around to the different tables and you guys are the in heroes in costume in costume and you guys you are go, the Shelley. heroes like the Aragorn Legolas and you guys will go to the different tables and interact with the story in a unique way like how you know every nerd's dream to meet somebody in the D community like that how cool would that be 
I'll do my, I'll get my face painted again like the kitty cat so I can be, <laughs> I can be drunky two shoes. <laughs> I love that. I'll be Daryl. I would love to visit the store and peruse your accessories and have my cup of mead and play some D&D. It sounds amazing. Heck yeah. It really does. It really does. Thank well, you. thanks, Andrew, for coming on and talking through everything about this event, as well as what's going on in Provo, Utah. I love that Utah is uh, is is where nerds uh, exist. Uh, that's <laughs> news yeah. to me, because since I had only known about Provo uh, from Fletch. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many nerds here, so. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thanks so much. You're doing great work. Where can people Thank find you. out more about the store and, and uh, uh, these events that you're putting on? Yeah, where we geek together, you can find us on the social medias, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, um, Facebook. We got all that stuff there. So you can, you can find us uh, anywhere you search We Geek Together. Uh, that's a great place. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything, um, all that community building, and congratulations on breaking the world record. Thank we you. Salute. Thanks for geeking out with me. <laughs> Anytime. We we all geek together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's some good branding right there. There you go. Uh, thank awesome. you. Thanks, Thanks Andrew. Andrew. Talk to you soon. I love uh, everything that Andrew was talking about that he does at this game store. And it, it seems like he's really creating a community here in Provo, Utah, that will extend out into the many uh, tendrils of the nerd community online. Definitely. And I absolutely predict, you know what? I'm going to put put it out there right now. Yeah. Next record event is going to be 3,146 people. Wow. Is this like, you know, guessing the number of jelly beans yes, in the exactly. jar? <laughs> if exactly. we get back and you're close but not over, you will get a high five from me. Okay. All right. And maybe one from Andrew. I hope so. <laughs> and a glass of mead. This feels like a community-led uh, thing that we should start and that he should start doing in his store. Be like, yes. how many people are yes. we going to get next year? Predict. Let's start a, a Deadpool on this. Let's do it. Uh, so fun. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, if you're in the area in Utah, take a trip and visit this and let us know what you think. Um, I'm as we said in the interview, I'm excited to uh, see this place myself. Yeah, definitely. If you want to find out anything that's going on with D and D, a great place to do that is on D and D Beyond. It has all of the tools you need to create characters as well as delve into running your own games as a dungeon master. Um, the amazing live streams that are going on through the D&D community updates with Latia Jaquiz and Amy Dolan are amazing. Go watch those on the uh, Twitch channel for D&D Beyond. They have been doing uh, great work in connecting with all types of folks and getting um, you know that live stream content out there for people. So take a look. Yeah, definitely. It's in a book and on video. Follow along on the Twitters as well, uh, both the D&D wizard slash underscore D&D proper as well as D&D beyond. And uh, you can follow me at Greg Tito on uh, Twitter, Mastodon, Blue Sky now, uh, and Hive. I keep listing the new platforms that I'm joining in the hopes that one holds on. Uh, but Shelly, you have been stalwart in your love of Instagram. I do love Instagram. <laughs> 
I like to look at pictures of people's pretty houses and recipes. So if you're looking for recommendations for either of those, follow me on Instagram at Shelly Moo uh, or Twitter at Shelly Moo. Still there too. Nice. I haven't really had time to look into other options. I'm sorry. It's it's valid. You know, there's there's a lot of now I feel like my persona is spread over like five different platforms and I'm like, what do I post on? What's the one that makes the most sense at this moment? So uh, I'm not sure that's the right approach. Scattershot, you know, maybe cool, but I respect you, Shelly, for uh, sticking one, to one, uh, you know, good alternative. I'm lazy, arises. Greg. I'm just lazy. Aren't we all deep down? Not, mine's not even that deep. Seeing as I, I, I created my website, gregtito.com, and have not updated it since then. So, you know, I don't know what you're talking about being lazy. That's crazy to me. <laughs> it's just a soft landing spot for people who want to look at pictures of your cool hair, like Todd's. That's Stachik. right. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's all it's for. Um, mm. So we move on to what's happening with Drunky Two Shoes. You have been transported to the region of Moni of Arsha, but you are in a city that is... A uh, built with lots of brown stone and sandstone, but uh, jungle surrounding it and a large amount of water. Uh, you can see uh, far to the south the uh, uh, larger body of water, but throughout the land is rivers and streams and uh, 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 swampy areas. Uh, but here in the city, you don't see any of that. You just see a mass of people after you've come in um, from your uh, crystal um, and past the guards, you see just a large group of of people. They're wearing uh, silks and robes and and um, you know, uh, different modes of dress than you've seen in Waterdeep or in the Radiant Citadel it's, itself. Um, definitely used for the warmer climate. And one thing you notice when you arrived here is that the humidity level yes. is uh, extremely uh, up there, not only because of the uh, you know moisture in the air, but just you know the amount of water that's uh, that's around. Um, and everyone is moving towards uh, something. You're not sure exactly. The crowd is, like I said, extremely large. All of the um, thoroughfares are uh, teeming with people, but they all seem to be walking as fast as they can with the amount of people there uh, towards one location. Uh, I was look, talking to some kind person, um, and I was looking for a bar. That's right. I, and he pointed you in a direction kind of, oh, just follow along. You'll see something along the, uh, along the, the streets there. I am very touched by this person because I think they gave me a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Even though all this humidity, my fur is probably just curling up around me, um, but I have like a little, you know, like a couple of little pounce cat treats in my pocket. And I'm just going to gently place them in this person's palm and just say, thank you for your kindness. Um, they appreciate, they, they, they look at what you offered and you said they're like little pounce. treats. That's right. <laughs> Chicken flavored. Uh, and they uh, say, oh, are these, is this jewelry or is this edible? It's edible. Oh, oh, thank you. Not an edible, just edible. <laughs> uh, they they start by sniffing it, and uh, what does it smell like? Chicken. Chicken. Hmm, uh, uh, this is interesting. I've never kind of smelled spices like this before. And uh, Food of my they, people. 
uh, is it all right to eat now? Is this, is yes. this polite? It's, you do you, yes. Um, and uh, this is uh, one of the, gu- the guard that you were talking to, and he takes like a nibble, mm, and he says, uh, oh. oh, oh, that, um, thank you very much. I, I will save these for later. Yes. Uh, and he puts them in his pouch, uh, and um, you see him kind of rub his mouth a little bit. Uh, and <laughs> thank you. By all means, continue to go. Uh, yes. uh, and the thing, I, I thank you, uh, you coming from another culture and sharing your foodstuffs with me. Yes. And thank that's you. where my gratitude ends. I understand. Don't need to roll deception. I <laughs> I get it. Okay, moving on, I guess. Let's go to the bar. So uh, you join this mass of people who are traveling uh, towards uh, you don't know what yet, uh, but then you see that there's like a like a holiday atmosphere here. All oh. of the vendors on either side of the streets um, seem to be selling uh, you know foods, toys, noisemakers, um, and of course libations. Oh, let's so you see, go to the yeah. libation booth. One vendor, um, uh, you know, after a street or two is, uh, says, uh, here you go, fill up your water skins with uh, Mambi's secret juice. Mmm, hook me up with some of that Mambi's. Oh, everybody loves Mambi's secret juice. Once you try it, you will keep trying it because you <laughs> won't remember what happened the night before. Ooh, um, yes. All right, uh, let's uh, ten silver pieces, and I'll fill up your skin. Uh, one silver piece, and I'll give you a taste. Oh, fill up my skin! All right, and so you hand over the coin. Yes. Yep. All right. Make sure to mark that on your character sheet. Oh. <laughs> okay. God, you're one of those DMs. <laughs> you're like I have <laughs> infinite amounts of money. That's no, I cool. got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even like actually know where to put that. On my <laughs> Uh, but he fills your skin uh, up from his large uh, contraption that is holding all of the Mambi's secret juice. And he realized that Mambi's secret juice is red in color, bright uh, crimson red. Uh, and he fills up your skin and hands it back to you. There you go. Uh, Thank you. Thanks, sir. Who, who is this Mambi anyway? Oh, Mambi was my uh, uh, legendary figure in, in my family. Uh, she owned a establishment that uh, was the talk of uh, Sagarpur for years. Uh, and uh, one of the things that she was known for was this this concoction. There is alcohol in this, correct? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. This is why I'm... we offer the tasting. Oh, well, I, I think I'm going to like it. All right. Uh, sir. Please try it. Oh, okay. Gather around, friends. Samson, uh, Jonathan, um, the other people's names that keep slipping. Stream of Silver. What was one of them? (laughs) Blade of Grass and Althea. Thank you. Uh, She does have a streak of silver in her hair, so I understand. I think I'm going to call her Streak of Silver. Where that comes from. Uh, Here, Silver, you try it All right, so yeah. Everybody's kind of pressing around you, and so you kind of move a little bit to the side. And he's yes. like, "Oh yeah, go okay, over well, and try it. I want. I need to serve more customers." Yes, uh, but yeah, you start, kind of form like a tight circle, and like in the middle of you know, like in a concert or a uh, a sporting event, uh, you know, you know, there's like a little bit of a, a drinking circle. Yes, in the drinking circle. Uh, okay, put bring me your little cap so we can fill up. Everybody gets a fill. Okay, they all they all um, toast. Bring out their little tin cups or whatever they have. 
I, t- I fill everyone's cup. A toast to our next adventure. Nobody thinks this is a bad idea, right? Like we're just going in. We're just drinking the secret juice. <sighs> I mean, Jonathan is like, oh, okay. I mean, we just got here. Don't we want to find out more about this? We and Blade have of Grass kind of just hits him on the side and says, ah, shut up. It is an auspicious beginning to this trip and this adventure. I agree. To you, drunkie. To you, Blade. Let's go. <laughs> Bottoms up. All right. <laughs> and you drink it. Uh, and wow. Okay. So uh, you start to feel warm and tingly almost immediately. Yes. Um, the Mamba. alcohol content of this drink is extremely high. Uh, you can tell from experience. Uh, and it, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't have that like burning feeling. It's real smooth. And that's the feeling you get is smooth. Oh, my favorite feeling buzzed and smooth. Yeah. You guys are going to like this. So, uh, you see Altia, uh, take a drink as well. And she does a little shake of the head and, oh, oh, goodness. Um, and Blade of Grass says, all right, I'm ready for round two. Uh, and Jonathan says, "Mm, yeah. And, um. Actually, roll me a perception check. I'll throw it away. <laughs> Maybe I should roll a perception Seven. check. Seven. Seven, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm he buzzed. seems to really like it. He's smiling a lot. You like that, Jonathan? Mm, yeah, it's very tasty. Drink it. I, I did. You didn't drink see it. me drink it? Here, let me give you a little more. Let's do a toast together. Oh, thank you so much. Cheers. I just look him dead in the eye. <laughs> Cheers. And this time, this time you do see him... Uh, Kind of, uh, turn his head and pour a little bit of it behind, but it Jonathan! does get on his lips a little bit. He knows you're watching him very carefully, so he kind of botches it, and it uh, goes all over his fur on his face. Oh, 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 I guess I can't handle my my Mamby secret juice. It's probably okay to have somebody not quite as drunk in the group. Um, and, and speaking of which, you look over at Samson, and he's still kind of holding the glass that you have poured him. Um, I I agree. But that person's not going to be you, Samson. There's only one. (laughs) What do you tell him? Drink up, Samson. We've been we've been through a lot together, Samson. Oh, make a make me a persuasion check, Samson. Remember when we were on that boat together in Waterdeep? That's another seven. Uh, what was the number? Seven. Um, Okay. I'm pretty drunk right now, (laughs) so I'm like, I'm about to get that. He says, uh, I, I feel like I'm in uniform, even though I'm not. Uh, so I must decline. Cut loose, Samson. That's an order. <laughs> oh, are you my superior officer now? Yes, I am. In that case, how could I refuse? <gasps> and he, he takes the shot. Aww. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he says, that was not what I expected. <laughs> and he, and then he gets like a little like let's do this and he's uh encouraging you all to move forward with the crowd oh yes sir all right we'll pick it up next time as you guys uh, are all good and liquored up and ready for the next uh part of the adventure all right sounds fun let me know if, i'll let you know next time if there's any negative effects from from everybody uh taking shots yeah. or two as the case may be i'm sure it's fine it's fine. Mamby won't steer us wrong. <laughs> I love Mamby. I love her too.